Um, dear Lord, Father God, we give you praise and thanks for another night to be unashamed for you, to be up here at Waipuna Chapel, uh, to be in your presence and the presence of your people. Lord, we pray that you would speak to us through your word, um, that you would continue to bless us as we fellowship this evening, and prepare us for whatever you have in store for us tomorrow. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, you guys got Bibles? Because we're going to read the Bible a little bit tonight. Um, do I know everybody? If you don't know me, my name's Kaeo. I think there's like two people maybe that I don't know. One, two. And yes, I know Jocelyn. So I'm Kaeo. Uh, Pastor Kaipo asked me to come up tonight because he's in the mainland. And um, he told me that you guys have been speaking about the Holy Spirit. Does that ring a bell? Anybody been coming up on Mondays? Yeah? Okay. Uh, he told me that... Uh, well, he said, you've been talking about the Holy Spirit and, and getting into Acts 2. And tonight, he kind of wanted me to touch on, uh, and I quote, the result of the Holy Spirit being released on the believers. So there's a pretty appropriate place to start that topic, and that would be in the book of Acts chapter 2. Are you guys familiar with this scripture at all? You guys speak English? Spanish? Habla espanol? Okay, I gotta speak. <laughs> All right, Acts chapter 2. Um, somebody put their finger in Acts chapter 2. I'm gonna need one reader for that. And somebody go to Exodus chapter 34 and put your finger in that. But don't read ahead, because sometimes, you know, when you're reading ahead to look at the scripture that you're gonna read, you miss what we're talking about in the meantime. So, Acts chapter 2, and somebody go to Exodus. 34, and then somebody else can go to 2 Corinthians chapter, yes, Exodus 34. Somebody else can go to sec, uh, yeah, 2 Corinthians chapter 3. Okay. So I have a question for you guys. I know most of you in here, wasn't me. Um, I know most of you in here, and so I'm not afraid to ask this question. Hopefully I get an answer. Um, who is the Holy Spirit? That's a good answer. God, right? That's one answer. Any, anything else? Anybody? Leaders, hold off for a second. Yeah, he's one part of the Trinity, right? One third of the triune God. Okay, that's good. God, who? anything else? Holy Spirit? What about the specific uh, characteristics of the Holy Spirit versus the specific characteristics of the Son or the Father? So the Holy Spirit, it's, it's the Holy Spirit. Uh, would it be safe to say that the Holy Spirit, could I classify the Holy Spirit as this, the presence of God? Does that make sense to you guys? Is that true? The presence of God, the Holy Spirit? That makes sense, right? Okay, so let's, let's remember that, that the Holy Spirit is God's presence, Okay. And the question we have tonight is, what is the result of the Holy Spirit being released on those who believe in God? And in Acts chapter 2, are you guys all there? No? Or turn there. Save that page that you're going to read later, but turn to Acts chapter 2. <laughs> and you guys have heard this scripture before, right? This is when the Holy Spirit shows up at Pentecost. You guys know the scripture? Jeez, some of you who come to Paul Keller every Tuesday should know. Okay, 
I'll read it for you. Yeah, you know this scripture. Some, somebody read it for me. Read till verse 3. Yes. Anybody? Okay, I'll read it. Chapter 2, verse 1, yeah. From Galilee? Meats. Tamia. Just read them, any kind, any kind, any kind. Read them, any kind. And all and all these places, right? And all these places. Okay, so they're drunk. All right, so so what happened in this little? That's what people were saying. Yeah. All right, so yeah, that's kind of what we read here, right? I know a lot of times when we read this section of scripture, we tend to focus a lot on that—the fact that that tongues is what happened, right? But but what else is is happening here, right? They're all in this place. They they hear this wind. The Holy Spirit um, meets them. And then they go out and they start to speak different languages, right? Something different is happening. You guys notice that? Like they're not speaking the same languages that they were. Something is happening to them. There's a change that's starting to take place. Yes, they are speaking tongues, but that's just one element of that change that is starting to take place in their lives. They're beginning to be different people, right? They're starting to change. One of the results of the Holy Spirit being poured out upon us is that we're going to start to change. Some of you might speak tongues. Some of you might not speak tongues. All of you, when consumed by the Holy Spirit, should start this process of change. You guys get that? Yes, they're speaking tongue, but they're doing something different than what they were doing. People from Galilee, they speak Galilee pidgin. Now they're talking to Arabians, right? They're doing something different. Their speech is changing. They're starting to change. Um, so the result was they started to resemble Jesus Christ. That's the change that's starting to take place. 
when the Holy Spirit is poured out upon us. We start to change and start to resemble Jesus Christ more. At least we should, right? Um, We know from the rest of the scriptures in chapter 2 that Peter changed, right? Um, Listen to this. So the Holy Spirit hits them. They start speaking in tongues. And some of the people hear them speaking in their language. Some of the people think they're fools. And then Peter, you guys know who Peter was? All right, so back in Genesis, there's this garden. Do we have to start from the beginning? You guys know Peter, right? Okay, good, thank you. We won't start from Genesis and make it all the way back to Peter. So you know Peter. What did Peter used to do? He's a fisherman, right? He was a fisherman. Um, What were some of Peter's characteristics? Pretty brash at some times, right? Wasn't he? He's chopping off guys' ears and stuff. Sometimes he said foolish things. At, you know, during the transfiguration. Sometimes he wasn't always acting and saying things like Jesus, right? He got rebuked by Jesus. Jesus said, get behind me, Satan. Sometimes he wasn't saying and acting exactly like Jesus was, right? He hadn't had the Holy Spirit yet, and he was starting to change, but not as much as we see him changing in this scripture. Because the guy who goes from a brass fisherman turns into this guy in verse 14. Then Peter, and I'm going to read a lot here, so follow along because it's good. Then Peter stepped forward with the 11 other apostles and shouted to the crowd, listen carefully, all of you, fellow Jews and residents of Jerusalem, make no mistake about this. These people are not drunk, as some of you are assuming. It's 9 o'clock in the morning. It's much too early for that. No, what you see was predicted long ago by the prophet Joel. And Joel says, in the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit upon all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions and your old men will dream dreams. In those days, I will pour out my spirit even on my servants, men and women alike, and they will prophesy. And I will cause wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and clouds of smoke. The sun will become dark and the moon will turn blood red before the great and glorious day of the Lord day of the Lord arrives. But everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. People of Israel, listen. God publicly endorsed Jesus the Nazarene by doing powerful miracles, wonders, and signs through him, as you well know. But God knew what would happen, and his prearranged plan was carried out when Jesus betrayed, was betrayed. With the help of lawless Gentiles, you nailed him to a cross and killed him. But God released him from the horrors of death and raised him back to life, for death could not keep him in its grip. King David said this about him. I see the Lord is always with me. I will not be shaken for he is right beside me. No wonder my heart is glad and my tongue shouts his praises. My body rests in hope for you will not leave my soul among the dead or allow your holy one to rot in the grave. You have shown me the way of life and you will fill me with the joy, with the joy of your presence. Dear brothers, Think about this. You can be sure that the patriarch David wasn't referring to himself, for he died and was buried, and his tomb is still here among us. But he was a prophet, and he knew God had promised with an oath that one day David's own descendant would sit on his throne. David, looking into the future, I know it's a lot, guys, but looking looking into the future and speaking of the Messiah's resurrection, he was saying that God would not leave him among the dead or allow his body to rot in the grave. God raised Jesus from the dead, And we are all witnesses to this. 
Now he is exalted to the place of highest honor in heaven at God's right hand. And the Father, as he had promised, gave him the Holy Spirit to pour out upon us just as you hear today. For David himself never ascended into heaven, yet he said, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit in the place of honor at my right hand until I humble your enemies, making them a footstool, footstool under your feet. So let everyone in Israel know for certain that God has made this Jesus whom you crucified to be both Lord and Messiah. I know that was a lot, but it illustrates something. Who does Peter sound like all of a sudden? Doesn't he sound a little bit more like Jesus Christ than he ever has before? Now he gets the Spirit of God, the presence of God is upon him, and this change starts to take happen, and this guy, this guy starts to sound like Jesus. Isn't that amazing? This isn't that foolish, brash fisherman who went back to fishing after Jesus was crucified. This is like the Peter that we know of, right? The rock, the leader of the disciples. This guy, all of a sudden, sounds a lot like Jesus. He's regurgitating things that he was, he was taught by Jesus. He knows the Old Testament scriptures. He knows the prophecies of David. He knows about Joel. And all of a sudden, this fisherman is changed by the Holy Spirit, and he's a pretty good preacher now all of a sudden, right? There's a change that's starting to happen. Um, the Holy Spirit prompts change, amen? The Holy Spirit prompts change. I mean, look at Peter. He's just preaching to the people. He's, he's prophesying. And, and it says here, Peter's words pierced their hearts and they said to him and to the other apostles, brothers, what should we do? Peter replied, each of you must repent of your sins, sounds like Jesus, and turn to God and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. Then you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. This promise is to you and to your children and even to the Gentiles, thank God, all who have been called by the Lord our God. Then Peter continued preaching for a long time, strongly urging all his listeners, save yourselves from this crooked generation. And guess what happened? Those who believed what Peter said were baptized and added to the church that day about 3,000 in all. Man, the Holy Spirit is starting to change things when you read that scripture, isn't he? It's not, it's not so much only about the fact that these guys could speak different languages. It's about the fact that the ball has started rolling, that the Holy Spirit is starting to transform people's lives, amen? And that's what the Spirit does. How do I know this? Um, well, from the scripture. So let's go to Exodus chapter 34, if you would. So humor me, please. And this is cool, because you know that the Holy Spirit was around before Pentecost, right? And you know that Jesus was around before the nativity, right? You know that God in his three-part form was always God, right? And so we're going to look at the presence of God before the coming out party of what we call the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit's always been in, in the program, right? It's always been in the equation. Exodus chapter 34, and we're going to go to um, verse 28. Um, but before we get to verse 28, you guys know what's happening in this, in this scripture? Yeah, it's like the second issuing of the Ten Commandments. So uh, Moses goes up, gets the Ten Commandments, comes back, Brothers and sisters is worshiping golden cows. Not good, right? And so he smashes the, the tablets, makes them drink the gold, all that stuff, right? You can read it. And then um, in chapter 33, 
Moses tells the Lord, Lord, show me your glory, right? He says, show me your glory. And then there's this elaborate story about, about Moses going up to the mountain and, and God says, I can't pass by you in my full glory because you're just going to evaporate and die because I'm too glorious for you. So you're going to hide in this puka of these rocks and I'm going to pass by you and then you can look at the back of me, right? And that will be good enough for you, trust me, because God is so glorious that he said if, if Moses was to gaze upon him, he would... He would have died. So that's what happens. And then we get to um, verse 12 of 33, and it's as Moses sees the glory of the Lord. And then chapter 34, all of this stuff is happening. He's up there. He's getting, he's dialoguing with God. You guys see all these verses? It says, uh, chapter 34, verse 10 says, the Lord replied. And in every other verse, it says, the Lord said to Moses, like he's talking to Moses, right? And then in verse 28, can somebody read that for me? We're going to read all the way to verse 30, through verse 30. Moses was there with the Lord 40 days and 40 nights without eating bread or drinking water. And he wrote on the tablets the words of the covenant. Covenant. Um, what, stop right there. <laughs> okay, so you guys see what happens? What happened in that little section of scripture? Moses is spending time with God in the presence of God, and God is starting to rub off on him. Did you notice that? Isn't that what it says? We can read it again. It says, Moses remained there on the mountain with the Lord for 40 days and 40 nights, and in all that time he ate no bread, he drank no water, and the Lord wrote the terms of the covenant, the Ten Commandments, on the stone tablets. When Moses came down from Mount Sinai carrying the two stone tablets inscribed with the terms of the covenant, he wasn't aware that his face had become radiant because he had spoken to the Lord. You guys catch that? He spends time in the presence of God and God starts to rub off on him. Is that us? Right? That's a question for us. One, is God rubbing off on us? And two, if he's not, is it because we're not spending enough time in his presence? Chances are, yeah, chances are. In fact, let's, let's look at that scripture a little bit deeper. It says, how long did Moses remain on that mountain with God? 40 days and 40 nights. God likes that number. 40 days and 40 nights. That's what you call quality time with the Lord, Amen. That's extended personal time in the presence of God without distractions from outside influences. That's Moses talking to God for 40 days. And not only is he talking to God, God is talking to him. And he's fasting the whole time, which means he's focusing on God, right? He ate no bread. He fasted. He focused on God. He talked to and listened to God, right? He received the word from God. Isn't that what that whole meeting was about, right? He spent time in the presence of the Lord. He did all of these things, and the result of all of that cohabitation with the presence of God, you know what the result was? God started to rub off on him. I mean, this guy literally started to look more like the Lord than he did before. Isn't that crazy? Like the glory of the Lord 
was shone down on Moses and his face started to absorb that radiance because he had spent time. And that's what it says, because he had spoken to the Lord. Isn't that what it says? That's why his face was radiant, because he was in the presence of God. And it even changed the way he looked. That's crazy. Like, that's glorious, isn't it? That he could spend time with the Lord and the Lord would rub off on him so much that people he used to know were afraid of him. Sometimes people you know, they're going to be afraid of the fact that the Holy Spirit lives inside of you guys. That's just the fact of the matter, right? God's going to come into your heart. He's going to change your life. And people that you used to know are going to think you look differently. And they might be afraid of that. I mean, this was Aaron. This is Moses' brother, right? And he was like, whoa, something is different about that guy. Yeah? You ever meet people like that? I know the leaders have where, like, you meet, uh, I was this kid. One year I was a certain way and I spent a year in the presence of the Lord. And the next year, one of the, the leaders who's actually coming back to camp this summer, um, Auntie Sani, she told me, she looked at me and she said, it's amazing to see what one year in the presence of the Lord can do in somebody's life. And that's the truth. Like God starts to rub off on you, right? The result of all this cohabitation with the presence of God was his face became radiant because he was speaking to the Lord. Something was changing. He even changed the way he looked. And it was glorious. And, and sometimes don't we want to see that kind of stuff from the Holy Spirit? Like we want to see somebody's face glow. <laughs> I want to see the glory and the radiance, right? Sometimes we get caught up in that stuff when we talk about the Holy Spirit. That's why when we read Acts 2, all we ever talk about is tongues. Because we want to see something crazy like that. We want to see the glory. But sometimes we don't realize that the most glorious part of the Holy Spirit's work is the transformation that it's doing in people's hearts. Not always the words that they're speaking in different languages. Because that didn't happen for everybody. Right? A lot of the conversations about the Holy Spirit talk about seeing the glory, seeing miracles. I want to see that, right? And, in, and let's turn to 2 Corinthians Chapter 3, verse 7. Because the Holy Spirit is glorious. And seeing somebody's face light up, that would be pretty cool. But let's read something else. Mm, hold on. Let me check real quick. Okay, how about I read it and you guys follow along, okay? Huh? 2 Corinthians 3, 7. It says, The old way, right? The old way with laws etched in stone led to death, though it began with such glory that the people of Israel could not bear to look at Moses' face. You know what that means? The laws etched in stone led to death. That means that when God gave us His law, His good, perfect standard, when we were presented with that, it provoked the sinful nature inside of us to disobey it. It's been happening since the Garden of Eden. It's still happening today. God presents His law, His standard before us, and we fall short of it. Because the, the perfect law of God provokes the sinful nature inside of us, and we all fall short of it, right? 3-7. Uh, the old way with laws etched in stone led to death because we all fell short of that standard and the wages of us falling short was death. Though it began with such glory that the people of Israel could not bear to look at Moses' face, 
for his face shone with the glory of God, even though the brightness was already fading away. Check this out. Shouldn't we expect far greater glory under the new way now that the Holy Spirit is giving life? If the old way which brings more glory which, which brings condemnation, was glorious, how much more glorious is the new way which makes us right with God? In fact, the first glory was not glorious at all compared with the overwhelming glory of the new way. Like if you thought, thought Moses' face glowing was glorious, wait till you see what the Holy Spirit can do in the lives of people. Wait till you see how he transforms hearts, not faces. Yeah? Wait till you see the Lord transform lives, not make somebody glow. The new way, the Holy Spirit living inside of us offers us much more than what Moses had even. Isn't that amazing? That's what Paul is saying. Let's keep reading. So if the old way which has been replaced, was glorious, how much more glorious is the new which remains forever? Like we read the Bible and we, and we look at these great men of the faith like Moses and we think, I can never be Moses. I can never be like that, right? I will never be able to spend that amount of time in the presence of God so much so that he rubs off on me and I start to glow with the radiance of God. That's never gonna be me. But what Paul says is, no, it's going to be greater than that. Because you don't have to climb a mountain and fast for 40 days and hide in a rock to have the presence of God come upon you. You accept Jesus Christ and he lives inside of your heart. That's craziness. You guys get that? Like, yeah, it's cool. Moses' face was radiant because, because he spent time with God. But the Holy Spirit, who is God, can live inside of my heart. That's more crazy. And Paul's saying, if you thought that was cool, the old way, wait till you see the new way. Wait till you see the new way. It's going to be nuts. And it is. Since the new way gives us such confidence, we can be very bold. We are not like Moses, who put a veil over his face so the people of Israel would not see the glory, even though it was destined to fade away. But the people's minds were hardened and to this day, whenever the old covenant is being read, the same veil covers their minds so that they cannot understand the truth. And the veil can be removed only by believing in Christ. If we go back to Exodus real quick, in 34 again, I think. It's talking about, uh, it's still talking about how Moses... Um, comes down from the mountain and his face is glowing, right? And it says, verse 31, but Moses called out, and this is after he comes down and his brother's like scared because he, he's glowing. <laughs> it says, but Moses called out to them and asked Aaron and all the leaders of the community to come over and he talked with them. Then all the people of Israel approached him and Moses gave them all the instructions the Lord had given him on Mount Sinai. When Moses finished speaking with them, he covered his face with a veil. But whenever he went into the tent of meeting to speak with the Lord, he would remove the veil until he came out again. 
He would give the people whatever instructions the Lord had given him and the people of Israel would see the radiant glow of his face. So he would put the veil over his face until he returned to speak with the Lord. God wants us to have that unveiled relationship with him. You know what that means? What's a, what's a veil? Girls, you guys wear veils anyway? My wife didn't wear a veil. Something that the bride wears, right? Something that Moses wear, actually. Uh, it goes in front of the face, right? And it kind of, it kind of blocks. It isn't, isn't it a veil? Isn't, something, isn't a veil something in between you and somebody else? Right? And what God is saying is he wants to have an unveiled relationship with us. That he doesn't want you to come to him with something in between you and him. Right? If it's sin, if it's whatever it is, God wants you to come to him with nothing in between, right? No camouflage, no fake stuff, no whatever. He wants you to just be real with him. Um, so go back. Sorry, I just had to make a little side note. Now you can go back to, uh, where was I right before that? Corinthians, right? Okay, and it says, the veil can be removed only by believing in Christ. Yes, even today when they read Moses' writings, their hearts are covered with that veil and they do not understand. But whoever, but whenever someone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. For the Lord is the Spirit. And wherever the Spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. That's what we're talking about, right? The Spirit. Wherever the Spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. So all of us, who have had that veil removed, can see and reflect the glory of the Lord. And the Lord, who is the Spirit, makes us more and more like Him as we are changed into His glorious image. Isn't that what we're talking about? That when the Holy Spirit shows up, God starts to change you and He starts to transform you. And the more time you spend in His presence, the more like Jesus Christ you become. And just like the Lord's radiance was reflected off the face of Moses, right? The Holy Spirit living inside of us. God, we're supposed to be transformed into the image of God. Our faces are supposed to be reflecting God's glory. Not physically maybe like Moses' was, but are our lives reflecting God's goodness? Are we being changed into the type of people that end up like the people in Acts 2? You ready? Jump back to Acts 2. Because we know that the Holy Spirit started to change people, right? And they started speaking in tongues and, and, and Peter became bold and, and all of these things. And now the Holy Spirit is here and we're supposed to be transformed into his image. But what does that look like? I mean, you got to grow your hair long or, you know, how are we transformed into the, the image of God? This is what it looks like. And this is back in, in chapter 2. And this is the last section of scripture in chapter 2. What should that image look like today? Somebody read for me chapter 2, verse 42. Isn't that where we left off? Yeah, 42. 
All right. Did you guys get that? All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teachings. Like, this little section of scripture, this is what our transformation should look like. If God is changing us, if the Holy Spirit has begun this work in us, this is what it's trying to change us into. People that look like this, the believers that devoted themselves to the apostles' teachings. Where would we we get that now? The Bible, right? Read your Bible, right? Spend time with the Lord. The fellowship, spend time with God's people. Sharing of meals, right? Uh, Communion and prayer. A deep sense of awe came over all of them and all the apostles performed many miraculous things with the Holy Spirit. And all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. They sold their property and their possessions and they shared the money with those in need. They worshiped together in the temple each day, met in their homes for the Lord's Supper, and shared meals with great and joyous generosity. All while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people, and each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. That's what the Holy Spirit is trying to transform us into. That's what the change is trying to accomplish. It's trying to make us people that look like this. And when I read this, all I see is people that look like Jesus. Isn't that how Jesus lived? Everything that we just read in that last little section of scripture? That's what our transformation should look like. And that's the result of God's spirit with us. That's what the, that's what the result should be. That we get the Holy Spirit because we have faith in Jesus Christ. And some of us will have many gifts and will do miraculous signs and wonders with, with that power of the Holy Spirit dwelling inside of us for God's glory. But all of us should be transforming and changing into the type of people that we read in this section of Scripture right here. Devoting themselves to God's Word, to prayer, to fellowship, to feeding poor, to being like Jesus, not just going to church, right? To actually doing what the Holy Spirit prompts you to do. That should be the result of God's Spirit with us. So how do we get there again? It's just things haven't changed much from Moses till now, right? That, well, they have changed a lot since Moses till now. But a few things are still the same. If you want to have the Holy Spirit come into your life, and start to change you and make you look more and more like Jesus Christ because that's the goal, isn't it? If if we're not doing that, what are we doing? If If we're not the kind of people that look like Jesus and show Jesus to a lost world, what are we doing? And if we want to be this type of people, like the end of Acts 2, we got to be the type of people like that we're in Exodus 34, Moses, right? Spend time with God. Quality time. Like not five minutes a day. I know sometimes we encourage you guys like, read one chapter a day. No, don't read one chapter a day. Devote yourself to the apostles' teachings. Moses spent 40 days fasting to be in the presence of God, right? He received the word of the Lord. He heard from God. He spoke to God. And the result, like I said earlier, of all that cohabitation with the presence of God is that God started to rub off on him. 
And if we're ever going to be the type of people that the Holy Spirit rubs off on us, we have to start living like that. Amen?